Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. How many times have you heard this advice? Write what you know. In today's episode, we're going to challenge this advice a little. We'll dig deeper into what it really means to write what you know, and I'll give you my three tips on how you can transform details from your life into powerful fiction and memoir. Stay tuned. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, and each week we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. Write what you know is one of the most common and I think misunderstood writing rules out there. We've heard it so many times, many of us just take it for granted. But here's where I see writers get tripped up. They write exactly what happened, play by play, or they're exhaustively descriptive, cluttering their scenes with objects simply because they were there in the room. We just can't seem to go beyond the literal truth. We might have a hard time selecting and reimagining what happened, or we convey just the facts, the surface events, without diving into the deeper layers of character or the moral structure of our story. We include everything and everybody with no regard for whether or not the events or characters are relevant to our story. Henry James once said that the problem with writing what we know is that a true story bombards us with too much material. It doesn't leave anything out. Writing what you know, basing your work on autobiographical material, can be restrictive. That's because we find it hard to stop ourselves from being true to the experience, even when it doesn't serve the story we want to tell. At the same time, we can't help but write what we know, even when we're creating fiction out of whole cloth. It's virtually impossible to stop real life from seeping into our pages. Writing what we know sounds simple, right? But it's deceptively complex. So what does it mean to write what you know? Write what you know is about tapping into the things that deeply matter to you. Your pain, your frustrations, your fears, your obsessions, all those things you're still trying to figure out. All those things that continue to have you in their grip. It's not just the facts of your experience, it's your emotional truth. So tip number one, write from your emotional truth. Explore that. 
The novelist Anne Beattie says that she's never written anything autobiographical, but at the same time, she says, I've never written anything that didn't reflect an emotional state. So when we write what we know, that's what we're after, the emotional truth, not the facts or external events themselves. Now, that's not to say that the facts or external events have no place in your fiction or memoir. They do. But let's stay on this idea of emotional truth. One of my friends writes short stories based on her observations of what happens in the Middle East where she now lives and works as a public health administrator. Now, none of her stories are based on events that actually happened. They spring from a sense of moral outrage at how women and children are treated in other parts of the world. This is what she knows. These are issues she's deeply passionate about. Although none of these things have happened to her, although she's not even originally from the Middle East, she's from Boston, and although the characters are fictional, her stories are grounded in a larger emotional truth. So writing what you know isn't about piling on details and facts. The what you know is your emotional truth. It's what you know to be true and valuable and meaningful about the world. Now, sometimes writers ask me, well, what about memoir when it's understood that the events really happened to me? Aren't I duty-bound to honor the literal truth? Well, Grace Paley once said that any story told twice is fiction. And what she meant by that is that our interpretation of the events, our experience of them, is far different from someone else who is there. So a little story, when Tobias Wolff's memoir, This Boy's Life, was being filmed as a movie, the director, Michael Caton Jones, wanted a better handle on Wolff's mother, because in the book version, he thought that Tobias had handled her with kid gloves, so he wanted a better um, fix on her because he found her a little shadowy. Now, it just so happened that Wolff's brother, Jeffrey, had also written a memoir, The Duke of Deception, based on his childhood experiences growing up with their parents. So when researching the mother, the director turned to Tobias's brother's memoir, where he felt he found a more realistic and rounded portrayal of her. So which brother's truth is right? I would say both. So number one, tap into your emotional truth. We all have our own separate reality. Nobody owns the truth. We all have our own truth. So one, tap into your emotional truth. Write from that. Explore that. Tip number two, use your imagination. Memories are part of the imagination. So even when the events are true, we need to use our imagination to reconstruct memories to reconstruct conversations that happened 20, 30, maybe 40 years ago. Our memories are imaginative constructs. The past no longer exists. Robin Hamley, one of my great teachers, said this. The fact is, writing, writing a letter, a memoir, or a novel, requires some artifice. The act of writing down memories changes them. They become more real. 
the line blurs between actual memory and reconstructed written memory so that the writer is less and less able to know for certain what really happened. So even when we write memoir, imagination is essential. We still need to reimagine those events and we need to order those events in service to our story, not necessarily the way they happened chronologically. If you want to write anything, whether it's fiction or memoir, whether you're drawing on real life or not, you must be willing to use your imagination. Your job as the writer is to transform the experience, not simply record it. And here's how Robin Hemley describes how he transformed real life in his first novel, The Last Studebaker. So the novel is set in South Bend, Indiana, where he lived for a couple of years during high school. And he says that many of the details about South Bend in the book are things that he observed firsthand. And he goes on to say this. One of the main characters in the book, a woman named Lois, is loosely based on a friend with whom I used to frequent garage sales, which is one of the central activities of the book. My real-life friend has five children. The character in the book has two, neither of whom are much like any of my friend's children. The children in the book, an 11-year-old girl named Meg and her 16-year-old sister Gail, are modeled after myself when I was Meg's age, and my brother Jonathan, who's five years older than me. The sexes are different, but the behavior is much the same. So while plenty of incidents and characters are based on real life, nearly all have been transformed. So write what you know, as well as what you can imagine. Filter what you know through your imagination. There has to be some invention. There, there is always some invention involved. So what might we invent? We might knit together several conversations that happened over several months or years into one scene of dialogue. We might create a character who's a composite of several people we know. We might omit certain events or certain people. We could invent scenes that never happened, but are true in the larger emotional sense. We might transform our best friend into a mother, or vice versa. And we might reorder events according to their emotional meaning, rather than their chronology. Be careful not to write a no-holds-barred confessional. It's not only about what happened, it's the why. It's why it happened. It's what you as the author or your characters are trying to understand about the experience. Now, sometimes we think just because something really happened, the reader should instantly be won over. When we're told our work isn't convincing, our knee-jerk reaction is to defend the work. But it really happened. What do you mean it's not convincing? But the recital of just the facts rarely adds up to that emotional truth that both you and your reader are after. Just because something really happened doesn't make it believable on the page or interesting on the page. What makes it believable and interesting on the page are the details of that experience that you, as the author, select. It's how you slant those details. It's what you choose to leave in and what you choose to leave out. So what if we're basing our fiction on autobiographical details? 
where does true life leave off and imagination and invention begin? Well, this varies from writer to writer, and it varies from story to story. So let's look at Hemingway's stories. True life certainly had a hand in his work. For example, his first love, Agnes von Kurokowski, was the basis of fictional characters in The Snows of Kilimanjaro and A Farewell to Arms. Jackson Benson analyzed Hemingway's work, and he believes that Hemingway used autobiographical details as framing devices about life in general, not only about his life. Benson believes that Hemingway used his experiences and drew them out with what-if scenarios. What if I were wounded in such a way that I could not sleep at night? What if I were wounded and made crazy? What would happen if I were sent back to the front? So fiction writers often ask, what if? Memoir writers ask, what is? That's not to say fiction writers aren't interested in moving towards deeper self-knowledge or that memoir writers are only contemplating the self. These are tendencies, not holy writ. Both are getting at the truth, just in different ways. And this leads me to tip number three. Whether we're writing fiction or nonfiction, we write from what we know towards what we don't know. And here's a great quote from Gaston Bachelard. Not knowing is not a form of ignorance, but a difficult transcendence towards knowledge. So writing what you know refers, among other things, to the wisdom you or your character accumulates throughout the events and experiences your story traces. The screenwriter instructor Peter Dunn says this, It's your personal wisdom your vision that fuels and validates your story. So to be a writer, you don't have to be knowledgeable necessarily, but wise. Look, we all have similar experiences. We all grow older, we marry, we fight with our siblings and spouses, we have complicated relationships with our mothers, but it's the meaning we extract from those experiences that makes us wise. So ask yourself, what are you trying to understand about what's happening in your story? What perplexes you? What frustrates you? How are you or your character through you different by the end? What's the emotional journey? These are questions you'll come back to again and again as you continue to revisit your material and as you continue to revise. Don't worry if you don't have the questions at the outset or in the answers. The questions and the answers don't have to be explicitly stated in the story itself. And often this is, this is come to, our questions come to us as we're exploring our material. Some lessons take a long time to sink in. And so the wisdom we acquire often isn't very clear or evident early on. Your main character will also struggle and butt up against obstacles on the path towards that wisdom. If you're in tune with your voice, you'll discover that your main character is a lot like you. That's because you'll be writing about the things you know, the things you know to be true, valuable, and meaningful. Ideally, your main character's emotional truth is your emotional truth. So number one, explore your emotional truth. Tap into that. Your emotional truth is what's true, valuable, and meaningful to you. Number two, use your imagination. 
imagination, not transcription. Remember, memory is an imaginative construct. We need to transform the facts of our experience, not simply record them. And number three, write towards what you don't know. It will open up space in your work and let it breathe. Thanks so very much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed these three tips on how to write what you know. And I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.